Hey, Imaginary Pals, we're taking a break from releasing new episodes this week, but we hope that you enjoy this very special episode from our Patreon archives. This is our first true crime review. Uh, We are reviewing The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. We hope that you enjoy the episode. If you love listening to us review true crime, you can check out all of our other true crime reviews on Patreon for just $5. Um, We are really looking forward to starting to record new episodes again. We are going to be back with our 100th episode of The Unknown Subject, plus some really fun bonus content to celebrate the milestones. So we'll be back soon, and we hope you enjoy. Hello! Hello! Howdy, howdy, howdy. Welcome uh, to a very special episode of The Unknown Subject. Uh, We're trying something new today! Yay! New things! New things! Um... We've been promising for a while that we were going to kind of do a deep dive into some of the other true crime content that we are constantly watching and consuming, and today's the day that we do it. Today is the day. Um, uh, I don't know if we really have an official like name for this. <laughs> Kelly and Kelsey's true crime reviews, I don't know, something of that nature. Kelly and Kelsey's... Deep dive. Deep dive. Kelly and Kelsey talking about stuff. Talking about stuff. Um. So, yeah. So, today we are going to start with the most recent documentary that we both watched. Uh, crime scene vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. Cecil Hotel. Um, Guys, if you haven't watched it yet, please watch it. Yes. Stop right now. I watched it in one sitting. We How did many? also. Yeah. Yes. It's not long. There's only four no. episodes. There's four episodes. They're all about 45 minutes. Which I think. So it's about seems, a movie. That seems to be the sweet spot for a lot of true crime yeah. documentaries. Four episodes yeah. seems to be like. If it's something really juicy, they'll go to five. But yeah. But most four, of them are four. Four is all you need for storytelling. Yeah. This one is four. Like Kelly said, about 45 minutes. So not like a huge time commitment. Um, I, it's kind of the newest of Netflix's true crime docs that they seem to be rolling out every month or so these days. Um, and it's interesting. So we're here to chat about it. We've talked, we've talked a little bit about it, just a little bit, because I feel like you live texted me a little bit while you were watching it and I was Mm -hmm, live texting mm -hmm. you a little bit while I watched it, but we haven't really gone into the specifics really so this is all this is our first kind of time really getting into the nitty-gritty of it of our feelings on it and i think we should talk it out and then at the end i think we should each rate it out of five stars of like how we feel about it so rate it out of five blood spatters out of five (laughs) what's a criminal minds thing (laughs) uh out of five Jets, five profiles, <laughs> five, five Rossi kisses. <laughs> Perfect. What else is there? I don't know. I don't know. Really, what else There's is like there? No object that sticks out. The jet, five whiteboards, five Garcia. clear whiteboards. <laughs> Five clear whiteboards. Is that a good thing or bad thing? I don't know. That's true. I don't know. <laughs> we'll we'll figure it out. We'll this will evolve as it as it goes. Yeah. Um 
Okay, so I guess the thing to start with is just like if you ha- like Kelly said, if you have not seen it and you don't want spoilers, pause the episode and go watch it. Right. For yourself. Go watch it. It's on Netflix. It's still in the top 10. Yeah. I was searching for something to watch today and I saw that it's like number 7 or something right okay. now. So, it's hanging it's you hanging can still tough. find it pretty easily. Yes. Um, so if you're unfamiliar or if you are going to listen to this, having not watched it, that's your choice. So if that's what you're doing, uh, brief synopsis is that, uh, the, I don't know, the, the documentary is about kind of many things. It's sort of, I mean, it's about Elisa Lamb and her, her specific case and her situation, but it's also about the Cecil Hotel. And then I feel like the other kind of aspect of it are these web sleuths that's the other kind of yes. thing that it kind of I would dives also into. say a big thing that it talks about and I feel like this is the story that they really wanted to tell was about like homelessness and crime in LA and in Skid yes. Row yes um and just like the vibe of Skid Row and yes how it, it's not necessarily that like I don't know. We'll get into it. We'll get into yeah. it. Yeah, I don't want to yeah, yeah, yeah. But those, do it right now. That's kind of, if I was to do a book report on this documentary, those are the four <laughs> main themes of this yeah. documentary and kind of what it's about. So, um, I don't know. Is there something that you want to start out with that is kind of, I don't know, there's so many different directions that we could go there with how we talk about There are many different directions. So I feel like we got to like just like lay out the story of Elisa Lamb. If you're okay. not familiar with Elisa Lamb, she is a Canadian girl. She mm-hmm. was what, 21, I think? Yes, 20 like or early, 21. early 20s. Um, um, yeah. In college, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like loner, not a lot of friends, mm-hmm. didn't really do a lot of adventurous stuff, and then mm-hmm. decides to take this trip down the west coast of the United States. Yes. And so, By herself. By herself. And her parents are like, great, sounds good. They're like, you can go as long as you call us every day. Right. And I just. <laughs> right. You just got to check in. You just have to check in. And I'm like, I I get it. But there are some things that we learn about her later that we'll talk about that just make me think, like, why was this even an option? Like, why, why yeah. couldn't her sister go with her? Or why couldn't. Right. Her mom go like somebody go with her so that she didn't have right. to be by herself. But whatever. <laughs> That's also the year thing. is twenty twelve. I think so. Uh, yeah, twenty twelve, twenty thirteen, around one there. of the teens. One mm-hmm. of the teens. Mm-hmm. I guess twelve isn't a teen, but <laughs> you know it's it's on the cusp. It's a preteen. It's a two thousand preteen. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she's taking this yes. trip. She has a tumblr account that she uses very actively yes that's a big a, part of it. i was a tumblr kid you know i a tumblr teen a ton, tumblr 20 something mm-hmm. um i'm gonna say elisa lamb and i are probably we're probably born the same year like i think we're pretty similar in age yeah it's gotta be pretty close um yeah so you can i get it to her i tumblr all my thoughts <laughs> i mean does your tumblr exactly still exist is it still out in the universe your tumblr yes I'd love to do a deep dive into Kelly McMaster's. I mean, I think it's <laughs> Tumblr. I got Tumblr. Uh, maybe I was sixteen or seventeen when I got it, and okay. I used it pretty consistently through like twenty sixteen. 
Okay, okay. So yeah, right there in that window, the the Elisa Lamb window, right there. <laughs> as we right there, guys. Right there. Right there. Listen, so, I'm yeah. sure lots of you are also Tumblr kids. Yeah, hey, you get it. I wasn't a Tumblr kid, but I get you know, it. Um, it's how I knew. Here's just like a fun fact about Tumblr. Yeah, is I found Cassie's Tumblr like <gasps> before we told each other we liked each other, and it's how I knew that she was. Um, into ladies and so i was like okay like this isn't wrong like i she's feeling what i'm feeling and like okay. tumblr coming through with the assist with the yeah, knowledge exactly. that you needed <laughs> exactly <laughs> i love it yeah. uh so yes so elisa lamb is writing all of these things in her tumblr about you know wanting to go out and explore the world the tumblr is almost like another character in this documentary because yes she it's kind of like the only real like record she leaves behind and so as mm-hmm. pe- as her case is unfolding and as these web sleuths which we'll freaking get into kind of Ugh. dive into everything like the tumbler becomes this like extension of her even after she's right. missing and it becomes right. this like thing that people feel like they can decode you know what happened through her tumbler and like get to know her through her tumbler and I guess this yeah. brings me if to you're my not familiar. Yes, please explain oh. it. No, please explain it. <laughs> if you're not familiar with Tumblr, it is a social media platform that is sort of marketed as like a microblogging platform. Um, and you like you can create your. It's like Twitter. Like you can yeah. create your own new con- own content or like reblog someone else's content. Right. Right. And there's lots of like things about how you use tumblr like there are notes on tumblr and you like leave your secret thoughts in the notes not necessarily in the real text oh yeah see i don't know any of that so i know so much but it but it was interesting because they do they i don't know like they don't really get into the nitty-gritty of tumblr and tumblr no they don't necessarily but they could have they could have i think but it but they they definitely, I mean, are trying to make the point that, like, that's where you go to get to know Elisa Lamb. Because she's, you know, right. she's leaving behind, like, her true thoughts on her Tumblr, like, whatever. Right. And I that's guess... where the web sleuths, that's all they have. That's all much. they fucking have. Well, they find so other things to get into as well. <laughs> but they lean heavily on the Tumblr. But I guess this brings Nouvelle me to my Nouvelle. first thing. But it was something that Steven and I were talking a lot about. Um, while we were watching it, which is that after she get she goes missing, you know, obviously we'll get to the details of that also. But after she goes missing, it's like all these people start going to her Tumblr and being like, oh, well, she posted on her Tumblr, like, blah, 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 which means that she wouldn't do something like this. Or, oh, she posted something on her Tumblr that was like, you know, she was willing to, like, meet new people or she was getting hit on at some space. So, like, that means that maybe she met someone. And I guess the question that, like, I have and the issue that Steven and I were kind of bringing up, which is, like, but to fully rely on the Tumblr as, like, an extension of her slash a way to kind of, like, solve her final hours or whatever, you have to believe that every single thing that she was putting on the internet was 100% true. And I feel like the problem with the internet is that people on you the can't. internet aren't 100% truthful. You're you're right. cultivating a persona on the internet just like you would, you know, in any other situation. And so, like, it's a... it's 
an issue that we'll get, I, we can talk more about when we get to the web sleuths, but they kept like talking about it as if like, oh, like it was on the Tumblr. So it has to, it's like, it right. has to be true. And it's like, but you, you don't know that and there's no way to prove it. So like, right. why are we relying so much on this Tumblr as if it's like, we're talking to her, all they had. but it's all they had. So anyway, so she's got this Tumblr and she's kind of like, you know, I feel like does she conti- she continues to post on the Tumblr as she's going on her trip, I guess. Yes. And I read something else I read on the Wikipedia page about her disappearance. Oh, good. I'm glad is... you read the Wikipedia page. <laughs> um, Was I it as interesting read... as the milk Wikipedia page? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but is more interesting fine. than the milk Wikipedia so, page. Something about Tumblr that they don't talk about in the documentary that I'm actually surprised they didn't bring up based on how many conspiracy theories they bring up. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a feature on Tumblr called queuing where you can like schedule posts to go out basically and say you like will add something to your queue and your queue can be scheduled to post one thing every six hours or something. Okay. Okay. Um, So she had done that. And so things were still posting after she went missing. Gotcha. Like, after she was publicly missing, there was right. still stuff posting on her Tumblr. Right. And that's a section on the Wikipedia, and that's something I'm really shocked they don't bring up in the show, because yeah. they, I mean, if you're not a Tumblr person or familiar with that, like, you'd be like, well, she's alive. She's right. Posting. She's posting. Right. Exactly. Um, I don't know what kind of content was going up or anything. I never, right. I didn't click the little number to figure out what the article was that yeah. knew that, but... yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. So she's, yeah. So she so was she's, doing it. She's posting on her Tumblr. She's going. Like, so she's, yeah, she goes down the West Coast and she ends up in Los Angeles. Yes. And she gets a room at this hotel, which, if you are not familiar with the Cecil Hotel, that's another fun Wikipedia page that you can go mm. check out. Um, yeah. Cecil Hotel is a historic hotel in los angeles it was built at the height of like los angeles's population boom like in the or like late 20s early 30s kind of thing yeah um yeah and it's designed it's you know it's built when it's built back then it's this beautiful hotel but at the same time it was always kind of marketed towards travelers and people who were coming to los angeles for the first time whatever well now it happens to be smack dab in a very not nice part of Los Angeles, which if you're not familiar with Los Angeles, to be honest, like there's as far as like proper, like Los Angeles proper, like the actual city, there's not a ton of like nice portions of Los Angeles Mm. at this point. And like, that's what's interesting about Southern California. And I think if you've never been there or if you don't know enough about it, like, of course, like when you think of California, you think of like, giant mansions and hollywood and like whatever and the beach and like all those things and beverly hills but like los angeles itself like when you hear someone be like oh i'm from la like that could mean a lot of different things and so like Mm. downtown la is not a very nice area um it's like a lot of cities you know they've tried to go through urban renewal and do different things to Mm -hmm. you know make it better and bring businesses in and bring people in and like whatever. But the Cecil hotel is kind of smack dab in the middle of that. And it has a whole really interesting history that we'll get into, but she ends up staying there and it's this very odd. 
I feel like it's an odd hotel for like the U.S. because it's like hostel style, and like yeah. that's not something I feel like you come across a lot in the United States, um, right? And so she's, but it's it's affordable, and like obviously she's a college kid, so like she's looking for something affordable. She planned her trip out completely on the internet, like had never been to L.A., didn't know any better, right. so she ends up at this place, and she's initially staying like in a group room like with a bunch of with like a few other girls freaking dorm style dorm style and then bathrooms oh can you imagine Mm -hmm. like no i can i when i went to new york city we stayed in a ymca really communal bathrooms when i was a freshman in college i mean as part of like a like a freshman program thing i was in yeah we went it was weird. It was yeah. very weird. It was a risky night of my life. Because I feel like that's a, I mean, that's one thing to do, like, when you truly are living in a dorm, like, on yeah. your college campus. But, like, I feel like on a college campus in a dorm, I mean, obviously you can't control who else is on your floor, but you kind of know generally who these people are, the kinds right. of people that they are. They're all, you're all college students. You all go to the same school. Like, There's you're a all level doing the same control. thing. You're the same age. Like, yeah. But, like, in a hotel situation, like, you have no fucking clue who's sitting, who's staying in the room with you or who's yeah, staying yeah. down the hall or using the bathroom, like, whatever. So, yeah, so she ends up at this hotel and, like, I don't remember how long she was at the hotel before. No, they, I feel like they never really say, but it seems like she's there for a decent amount of time. She's there for at least a few days like she's yeah. she's there long enough to get switched to a different room right for her roommates to be like this bitch is crazy <laughs> yeah um, like her roommates are like out. this girl is weird like can you take her somewhere else and so they move <laughs> her to her own room and so then she is supposed to check out and doesn't and so like she just kind of like goes off the grid and so the hotel um like gathers up her stuff and just like mm, puts yeah. it in a closet and they're like oh Which yeah so like weird. that's what we do anytime somebody just like leaves and doesn't pay their bill and like leaves Which, their stuff for that kind of hotel i for guess that of course of they hotel, have a system like, i'm guaranteed you it happens all the time because like right there's very transient people in this vicinity and we'll get into like the hotel how the hotel is set up because there's more to it than just the hotel which is what complicates yeah. the situation but so she yeah so she the but what ends up happening is like she doesn't do her daily check-in phone call and that's what right. gets the ball rolling on the missing person thing because she doesn't call her parents and so her parents i think pretty much immediately call the los angeles police department and are like hey like our daughter is from canada she's supposed to check in she hasn't like can someone basically go do a welfare check like this is where she's supposed to be staying like whatever and so they go to the hotel and the hotel's like yeah like she was supposed to check out she never did like here's all her stuff and that's what kind of gets the investigation going and it's like okay now she's missing and so they have to figure out like where could she have gone did she get kidnapped is she somewhere in the hotel being held against her will was she taken somewhere else like what is happening did the hotel cover it up right like did did they take her do they know something and so that's what that's when it kind of gets into this whole thing of like okay well who who are the type of people that are around that she like might have interacted with? And that brings us to kind of like, okay, well, what is the Cecil Hotel and what is the kind of geographical location of where this is? And the Cecil Hotel is 
part youth hostel, part <laughs> long-term residence. Yeah. And then part, like, nightly hotel, like, if you know what I mean. Like, if you're <laughs> gonna, like... You can rent yeah, it by like, the you can hour. rent it by the hour <laughs> situation. Yeah. They make and, it clear, like, the the manager of the hotel at the time she went missing is one of the people that they interview. Yeah. And she makes it evident that, like... They don't reveal this until later on, but I think it would have, like, just the order that they tell the story is frustrating at times. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) um, She reveals that, like, when she was manager, she was brought in to, like, kind of redeem the hotel and they were doing some renovations. So they make a section of the hotel called Stay on Main. Mm-hmm. And the city, like, they were planning to do this to the whole building. Yes. But the city of Los Angeles... There was, like, a zoning issue, and they yes, couldn't Yes, it has to have so much of it being low-income housing. Right. Because it's in Skid Row, which is, yeah, like, a desert of money and yes. just, like, a not great place. No. Um, so they didn't... They couldn't change so many floors of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they continued to have um, the low income, like low income like, people. Yeah. And they had to have the long term housing available also. So they like, yeah. so that's how they end up. They end up like the way she explains it. And they have a, they have a handy little graphic that they put up yeah. while they're showing you helpful. how it I works. I appreciated it. <laughs> but it's like the first, it's like the, the lobby's on the main floor, but there's two entrances and two lobbies. So you go into like a, you go into a door that says, has the like original like Cecil Hotel like sign on it that goes into the like original like Cecil Hotel like lobby. But then like to the left of that is another door that has the like stay on main and it's very mm-hmm. modern and very clean and like bright colors and like all this stuff. Yeah. And you go into your trendy your, hotel. You yeah. And you go it. into that lobby but then the first like the second and third floor is the permanent or is the like long-term housing floors and then the like fourth fifth and sixth and like seventh floors or something are the hostel like the youth hostel stay on Mm -hmm. main and then everything above that is the like cecil hotel like hourly weekly rate kind of thing (laughs) yeah yeah but the problem is is it's an old fucking building and so Regardless of the fact that there are technically, like, three sections to this, they all use the same fucking elevators. Yeah. So, so even if you're a person... Anyone could be anywhere. Anyone can be anywhere. And if you're a person who's, like... If you're a person like Elisa Lamb, who's freaking 21 years old, like, is very naive, never traveled on her own, she thinks she's showing up to stay at this, like, stay-on-main place, and then she ends up in the freaking elevator with like a sex worker and a crackhead and she has no idea like that's essentially like <laughs> like yeah <laughs> like that's essentially what's gonna happen and so what's interesting too that they do in the documentary is that as they're kind of unraveling elisa's story they're also they also bring in this british couple and oh, yeah. <laughs> they bring in this british couple who were staying at the stay on main at around the same time that Lisa Lamb was there. And so you think that they're there just to kind of like, kind of, I think like add in some color of like what it's like to stay there. And they talk right. about their experience and how they found it on the internet. And like, they just, it, they kind of decided on a whim to go to Los Angeles. Like they'd always wanted to go. And then, and then they get there and they're like, fuck, this is not what we thought it was. And they're like, <laughs> 
They're like classic. Like they get in there and they're like, okay, like we're going to go. Now let's go sightsee in Los Angeles. And they start walking and they're like, what the fuck are we looking at? Like there's like nothing. Like it's just like decrepit old buildings and homeless people and Skid Row, which is literally essentially a tent city in the middle of downtown Los Angeles. Like, and they also come across like the, the missing posters for Elisa Lamar. Yes. Cause she's already missing at this point when they show up. And so they're like, these posters that this girl was last seen where they're staying. And they're like, well, that's kind of creepy. But like (laughs) they, and they like say something about it to like the hotel people, but the hotel people are like, oh, no, no, like, it's okay. Like, everything's fine. Like, no big deal. Like, we're cooperating with this investigation. But, like, don't worry. You're safe. Whatever. This, so they're kind of like a B-side story to this yeah. until a little bit later. They so, were interesting. <laughs> they are interesting, for sure. But... So anyway, so they get into the investigation. And so you, of course, in, in typical true crime documentary fashion, you've got your two main detectives who are kind of Mm -hmm. on her case that they interview and so they talk about you know the investigation and their process of trying to find her and like i will give it to you it's like you know the detectives in these documentaries always become kind of like characters in and of themselves i didn't Mm -hmm. i didn't feel really one way or the other about these particular detectives they didn't didn't really stick out like i don't feel no. like they made any mistakes at any no. point but yeah they didn't have like strong personalities or that's anything. what i was gonna like, say is like i didn't feel like they were bad at their jobs like i feel like you know it's like sometimes you can you watch like the freaking cops in the ripper like you're like oh my god you fucking yeah. suck but like you i didn't yeah. you don't get that vibe from them like they definitely were they seemed to essentially do everything right. They were checking all of the boxes. They took it seriously. They weren't, it's not like they were like, oh, she probably just wandered off. Like they definitely were like trying to find her. Um, But, you know, they scoured the hotel. They did all, they checked all the rooms, like everything, interviewed all the staff, like all of this stuff. They brought in dogs. They brought dogs in that managed to get her, like get her sent from her room down the hallway to a window and, and then the it. scent drops and so they can't so they're like well that's weird like what is and then like they search the basement they search the roof like can't find her whatever and so long story short she's missing for like 19 days like all yeah, like it's over two weeks between like 19 and 21 i think yeah it's it's over two weeks like they're you know they're obviously like chasing down any sorts of like leads like they're using the tumbler a little bit they're trying to interview people like the place that she was last she was last seen at a bookstore like she went to a bookstore and bought a couple books like they tracked that lead down like nothing's going anywhere though and they can't and like they haven't found her yet so they're like i we don't know what's going on right well then (laughs) in comes the british couple again (laughs) and they start the british couple's like yeah like around like our third day of being there like it just wasn't a good experience and like our room sucked and like there's not like there were people partying like below us it was loud and like all this stuff like whatever but the biggest problem that we just like didn't like was like the water (laughs) the water in our bathroom was brown and it didn't taste good but we still brushed our teeth with it and we we showered and so like that right there to me is just like what the fuck like (laughs) why would you continue to just drink it 
Like, why would you not be like, uh, no, uh, this water is brown. I'm not drinking it. I'm not showering in it. Like, to me, like, I would be immediately going down to the desk and being like, yes. either you fix this or I'm leaving and I'm not paying for my room. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, I'm not just going to continue to drink it. Yeah. Like, this why? Is wrong. Something's wrong. Something and is the water pressure wrong. was really bad. The water pressure was fucked up. Like, everything's fucked up. So they end up moving rooms, but the, the water is still a problem in the right. other room. And so finally, the the hotel manager like tells the poor maintenance guy like you got to go up to the roof because they have like water tanks on the roof that right. hold the water supply and, and whatever and they're like she's like you gotta go check it on like see what's going on so he goes up there and he there's four water tanks and he finds one has the lid up and it like and off the lid is off <laughs> let, let's all remember off. if the lid is off and he goes in, and that's where he finds Elisa. So she's yeah, floating. There she is, floating. She's naked. Her clothes are in there. She's yes. floating face up. Yes. In the water um, tank. And so he, so he skedaddles panics, on out of, of And closes the lid and goes down and tells the hotel manager, manager. They call the cops. The cops come. Right. Whatever. And so that kind of starts the kind of, like, next phase of this documentary then, which is, okay, so now she's not missing... She's dead. She's dead. But right. it's like... Is this a suicide, a right. homicide, an accident? What's going on? And... What is going on? Oh, we got to mention the video. We right. haven't even talked exactly. about the video. Okay. The video, the video is... Is important. <laughs> a wild part of the whole thing. And I think it's what makes this whole story so weird and what lends it to being so creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, because the video gets released to the public. So it's yes, one of she's the still few, missing. Right. It gets released to the public so that people can see what she looks like, see what mm-hmm. she's wearing, see if they know her yes. um, or where she is. Um, so it's released to the public with the timestamp a little edited mm-hmm. and like certain parts slowed down so you can get a better look at her and stuff. Yeah. Um, so she's in this elevator and you guys may have seen it. I'm sure you have. Like I remember seeing it in yeah. real life and real time. Um, she like... Pushes some buttons. She like ducks into a corner. She peeks out. She yeah. She, she jumps sticks out. Sticks her head out and she jumps like, back in. She's looking back and forth. Yeah. Then she like she'll go out and like go out of view of the camera for a second. And then she'll yeah. come back in. Yeah. Hide in a corner. Push a button. Pop yeah. back out. It's then very she does weird. That weird thing with her hands. Yeah. She like goes it looks out. Like, what did they say? It's like she's touching something that's not there. It's like she's touching something or almost like she's like conjuring something like she's like kind of like twirling her hands theremin (laughs) but there's no theremin there yeah if you know what a theremin (laughs) is that's exactly what it's going going on but it's like it's kind of like it's like if you were a little kid and you were like pretending to cast a spell like that's what she's doing and then it's it's a, it's creepy. It's, it's creepy, creepy to watch. And I think it's extra creepy because it's it's obviously it's an elevator security video, so there's no audio. And so right. like that it's makes like, it extra I mean, we all weird. Watched Jay-Z beat up on Solange. Right. So. Just just like you that. know what elevator footage looks like. But like so yeah, so she's kinda in and out. The video is however many minutes long, and then she gets out of the elevator and like goes down the hallway and then that's it. Like that's the last also, Oh yes, go ahead. The whole time, the door doesn't close. Right. The door to the elevator never closes, which is like, that's weird. And then then once she leaves, it finally closes. It finally closes. And so, anyway, so this gets released 
on the internet out to the public and it very quickly becomes one of those just kind of weird viral videos that people are watching because it is weird and it's just like Mm -hmm. it's unexplainable it's very odd her behavior is very odd and as with many things on the internet it just kind of like takes on a life of its own and so enter in (laughs) the web sleuths which it's essentially like a loosely connected group of people it's people who saw the video and for whatever reason were just so captivated by it that they decided that they were going to start like looking into elisa's case and following her case because Mm -hmm. for whatever reason and so the documentary introduced introduces you to like i don't know like five or six different people i guess like yeah they have like there's only two that they actually interview but they will show youtube videos and clips of a bunch of them yes because it becomes Um, this thing where like other like these people are like following her case really closely making their own youtube videos about it and so it becomes this we're at the beginning of an age like yeah true crime podcasts hadn't blown up yet right like we are just at sort of the explosion of youtube personalities Mm -hmm. there's that one guy that keeps going i guess i'm an influencer (laughs) my career is youtube yes he's listed he's like it says his it's his name and then like you know where they put his title underneath it it's youtuber and that's like his profession which like there that is fine like there are youtubers yes just doesn't seem like one to he, me he also takes himself very seriously he's um, maybe 45 yes and then he's there's old. another one who's like well i'm i'm going to school to be like a dental hygienist but like on the side i'm also like a youtuber or whatever and is that the one that starts the Facebook group that's yes, like really he's, mild man? He's, like, he's I he started like the like Facebook this. group and he talks like this. Oh, he's creepy. Very slowly. For a second I thought it was gonna turn out that he did it. Yeah, yeah we'll get to him <laughs> because he's very odd. So anyway, so they introduce so now you've got this whole nother cast of characters of people who right. like are not actually involved with this case whatsoever. They've never met Elisa, they know nothing about her. But for whatever reason, they become obsessed with her case and become fixated on her case. And what you find as time progresses, and they, like, all kind of admit it, is they, like, become obsessed with her to the point that they, like, they act act and they talk about her as if they knew her. And, like, as if she was, like, their best friend in the world. And it's, like, that's one of the first problems I have with that whole, with the whole thing is, like, they talk about her in this way as if, like they have a right to know what happened to her because and it's like fuck you like you never you don't know her like she like yeah she is a stranger to you like she you never met her you never met her family like you don't have ownership over her you don't know her it's very weird but But they have this like they have this like vigilantism about it of like like oh my god like i it's my i have to help her and it's like no you don't like and also something i think is a weakness of the documentary and a side like it's very recent compared to a lot of true crime documentaries Mm -hmm. that we watch um the none of the family members no one that actually knew her is on it yes like it's a very you see her family quietly at a press conference and they don't even speak Mm -hmm. like 
they barely come up until later in the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, these people are the closest we get to people who, quote unquote, knew her. And be, or and have so, that, like, emotional yes. attachment to her. And that's and where the really Tumblr comes that, back it's in. it's annoying. Yes, it's very yeah, annoying. It's but that's false. where the, It's fake. That's, yes, because that's where the Tumblr comes back in. Because, of course, like, you know, so these people, they find this video, they watch it, and then they start Googling her. Well, of course, her Tumblr comes up. Right. And so these people are, like, doing these, like, deep dives into her Tumblr. And so they... I think they begin to believe that they know her because they've read her Tumblr and it's like, oh, well, these are all of her like deepest, most sincere thoughts. And so this yeah. is how I know her. And it's just like, that's where that qu- that thing that I brought up at the beginning is comes in, which is like, but you don't, there's no way to know that like Tumblr Elisa was the real Elisa. Like right. that was some, that was something that she put out there what she wanted to put out there and she could spin it however she wanted to doesn't mean that she wasn't being honest but it also doesn't mean that everything that she said on her right. tumblr was like 100 percent exactly who she was she's or the unreliable the or... narrator in her own life exactly like... and so it's very weird and so anyway so in the case of her you know being missing obviously it's one thing but then once her body is discovered then her the whole thing kind of just like snowballs into this yeah, whole it explodes crazy thing because now it's like well what happened to her and so these you know while these detectives are actually doing their job of trying to figure out yes what happened to her what is the truth is like like i said is it a murder is a suicide is it an accident what's going on is there is there a third party involved is there foul play like what's going on then you've got these fucking web sleuths who decide that they're fucking sherlock holmes now Mm -hmm. and they're going to start figuring it out and somewhere along the way it gets put out there of like there's corruption like something is wrong with the investigation the investigation is not being truthful the lapd is corrupt the right the videos edited the videos edited this is happening like you know they're not releasing information to the public fast enough or to their liking so something must be wrong like there must be something that is being hidden like there has to be some kind of darker thing going on here and so people they start you know like just completely like overanalyzing the video the cecil hotel becomes this weird destination for people yeah. who like, they cut to a lot of youtube footage of people just like here i am yeah i'm, I'm walking in hotel i'm walking down oh the hallway God, that the she elevator. walked down and it's very weird and they're oh doing their God. and that's how i this is how i saw it because like there's a on buzzfeed there's a buzzfeed unsolved like youtube mm-hmm. channel thing and they did they did an episode on the cecil hotel that's how i found out about it from watching that episode and so yeah so it's like it becomes this whole crazy thing but what is so frustrating and annoying about these fucking web sleuths is that they jump to these weird conclusions about things. Mm-hmm. But it's like, why? And they'll be like, well, that's just not possible. Or X, Y, Z is impossible. Or like this, it wouldn't happen that way. And it's like, what is your yeah. proof? Like, what are you talking something, about? Something they really latch onto that's one of the most ridiculous parts of the whole thing for me is so she has to end up on the roof. So whether yes. she got there herself or someone took her. Right. So they're, they go over all the different ways someone can get to the roof. Mm-hmm. One of them is through the fire escape, which is yes. just a ladder outside. Yes. Um, 
the other is there's a staircase that has a locked door at the top that's an emergency right. exit. Yes. Um, so it's like one of those doors it's not where it's locked, like, but if it'll you push sound it, an alarm if you an open alarm, it. Right. Yeah. And the, the guy who starts the Facebook group, he goes, I was went there. I may have pushed on the, the bar and I didn't hear an alarm. And I just want to be like, have you ever heard of a silent alarm that triggers somewhere else in the building? Like, well, that's the thing. You idiot. The <laughs> manager of the hotel is like, the alarm is down at the front desk. So if somebody right. does it. Like, we're going to hear it because right. obviously we're not up on the roof. We need to know that it's happening. Like, a staff member is going to be down at the front desk and they're going to hear it. He's like, we would right. have heard. She's like, we would have heard it. There is absolutely no way that we wouldn't have heard it. Someone like, would have heard it. he absolutely tripped that alarm somewhere else. And so yes. someone had to wander up there later and find out that it just Joe Schmo bumped yes. the bar. Yes. So there's that that they latch on to. Yeah, that was annoying. And then the other thing that they latch on to is the lid of the water tank. So oh. these water tanks are several feet high and there's la- you have to climb a ladder to get up to the top of them. Yeah. And then they each have like a lid, but it's like a metal lid and it's not yeah, on a hinge. Like a you have to like you have to like pick it up and like drag it off of yeah. the thing. And so the whole thing was it was like, okay, if she gets into this cistern or into this like whatever tank yeah like how would she have been able to close the lid because somewhere along the way in some report out on the internet it gets reported that the lid was closed when she was found because the police say the lid was closed when when we we got there went there which is true because the maintenance guy flat out says, he's like, I got there, it was open. When I left, I shut it, which I totally get because in his mind, he's probably thinking, I need to like preserve this situation. Like, I don't want right. it to get disturbed, like whatever, like the cops have to come here and, and I don't figure want out. someone else to see her. Right. Or so I, I totally understand his instinct to shut the lid behind him. So anyway, so yeah, somewhere along the way, it gets misreported that the lid was shut when she was found rather than the lid being shut when the police got there, which are two totally different scenarios. Yeah. And so the web sleuth just like cannot fucking let it go. And so when the police try to then clarify that detail, that just feeds into their conspiracy paranoia because they're like, oh, they're hiding something like they're right. trying. And it's like, oh, my God, no, they're not like they're trying to tell you the truth. But you are totally fixated on this crazy thing. And so those. Yeah. And so it's like they just go round and round and round and round. They're, of course, convinced that something malicious had to happen, which I think plays more into these people's weird ego of wanting to believe that this that they were going to solve this like massive crime, because if it's an accident, it's boring. Like if it's an accident or if she got in there of her own volition, like it's not as interesting as if like there was some crazy and sad. Right. And so they're all convinced that somebody had to have taken her up there. Somebody killed her, dumped her in the tank. Somebody's in on it. The LAPD is on it. Whatever. Then they come across. What's his name? Mayhem? Is that what his name is? What's the? (laughs) Morbid. Morbid. (laughs) Mayhem. In their their scouring of things, they find this man named Morbid. His his real name's not. His real name's like Paul or something. It's something just totally normal. He's from Mexico. But and he, he stayed at the Cecil Hotel yes. for like one or two nights. Yes. Uh, and he and uploaded like some videos of, of his stay yeah. there. Because again, you have to remember like the Cecil Hotel is this whole other thing. It's a mythical Before destination. Elisa ever a, shows up. 
if Dark Tourist ever came back for a season two, I guarantee yes. he'd stay at the Cecil Hotel. Absolutely. And so that I guess we haven't open. we haven't kind of gotten to that point, which is that like they do they talk about the history of the hotel a little bit more. It does have a very creepy history a lot of murders a lot of suicides a lot of yeah, kind like of, right off the bat like oh uh, yeah like a lot of unexplained deaths in the early 20th century and it does not take long for the first guy to jump out of a window right and so and then once it takes on its kind of second life as this like kind of shitty hotel where it's hourly pay and it's in this bad area of uh la it does become a very dangerous place there are there are mm-hmm. dangerous people staying there there's not a lot of you know there's no control like law enforcement can only do so much whatever like the the what is the what does she say the hotel manager says like in the seven years that she worked there there were 80 deaths on site yeah. like people are like overdosing that she finds her first body <laughs> yeah like people are overdosing because there's lots of drug use like all right of, so there's all this stuff going on like whatever but it kind it's of like feeds prime into war it. on drugs like yes in the prime in the location for yes. it yes just um, a perfect storm i mean hello and so then of course then they reveal like oh yeah also hello. by the way uh Richard Ramirez, like, that's where he stayed when he yeah, was, like, like, in after the middle he would of murdering murder people, people. And he'd be all bloody. He would just, like, walk up the stairs to his room that's on the top floor. And like, no one cared. Like, no one. They so, like, just were like, oh, there's Rich. Right. <laughs> and so I guess, like, there's, that's what I said to see. I was there's like, there Ricky. goes Ricky. Like, he's back <laughs> from whatever he's doing. It's weird. Um, But so there's kind of two, that plays into it in two different ways. One, it gives the whole place this like obviously creepy vibe which then plays into the creepiness of the elevator video which plays into this idea that people have of this place so it's like the 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 video very quickly becomes like a favorite of like paranormal people because they're convinced that like she's talking to a ghost or like she's possessed or like whatever and so there's that aspect to it the hotel demon has taken her neck yes (laughs) But then Ryan Murphy would have a oh well, a, he did he, he did, did base a season of American Horror Story yes American this, Horror so. Story Hotel is based off of the Cecil Hotel so um so yeah but then there's this kind of more realistic thing side to the Cecil Hotel which is just that like it's not a safe place and so it's not out of the realm of possibility to believe that she would come into contact with someone who would. Mm-hmm do something to her or hurt her or whatever like that's not a wild speculation by any stretch of the imagination it's just that they can't there's there isn't any evidence to back that up and there's a lot of things that the police are like we don't like someone explained to me how someone would carry dead weight up this ladder and get her into this tank it's hard enough for one person to go up there but right And, like, once they have her body, like, they're able to do, an you know, an autopsy and all of these things. Like, they're, like, there's no, con- she has no contusions. She has no bruising. There's nothing. No like, there are no marks. No nothing, assault. Like, nothing. nothing. And they're, like, I mean, you obviously then, she was in water for 19 days. So, they're, like, right. you know, that they destroys a lot, a lot of, of evidence. And they're not able to really fully do by the time she, they find her like they can't there's some things that they can't determine for sure because right. of the fact that she was in the water because the first question that kind of comes up is like okay was she killed somewhere and put in the water or did she die in the water tank and they have a very hard time like determining that because she had been in the water for a very long time like whatever right 
And so then that becomes another thing that the web sleuths completely fixate on. Right. Which is obsessed with the coroner's report. Obsessed with the coroner's report. And And the coroner. (laughs) The poor coroner. The the coroner is just like maybe my favorite person on the whole thing. Yeah. Because he's just like, I just try to do my job. She was in water. Yeah. It's really hard. We can't know a lot of things. And I'm sorry, but I'm not covering something up. Everybody on the planet has seen too many like cop we tv shows fucking csi fucking i've been CSI. watching hannibal like crazy exactly. they're always looking at bodies. like there's this popular belief that criminal science is an exact science and it's like right. it's not like it's not there's this perfect new, thing it might not be new but there's a series i saw on netflix today that's about that it's called really? exhibit a <gasps> and it's about how like crime scene science like is you know, shaky. Hello, we've all seen like the blood splatter thing. How there's no such thing as a blood mm-hmm. splatter anything. Also, do you want to know something? This is a, kind of a sidebar, but something that's interesting that Stephen told me because you hear about it a lot when you live in the true crime universe, like we do, <laughs> which is like in um like in court, like when you bring in someone who's an expert, so your blood spatter expert or your like mm-hmm. whatever expert. Steven was Steven asked me one day because he was listening to me. I was listening to my favorite murder and he was kind of coming in and out. And he's like, do you want to know what the like legal definition of an expert is? And I was like, no, what is it? And he was like, someone who knows a reasonable amount more about something than the average person. So for so for someone to be brought into court and say this is like so for the defense quote let's say in like an ex- in a, an example to bring in a blood spatter expert all they have to be able to prove is that that person knows a little bit about more about blood than like Joe Schmo off of the street My and goodness, so I could be an expert on anything exactly and so Stephen was like that's how you end up in like murder s- trials or whatever you know the defense has their experts and the prosecutors have their experts like that's how they and that's how they end up coming up with different conclusions because there's like no real there's no real like qualification for what an expert is exactly and so like that's how you get those weird people who are like i'm a blood splatter expert and really they can make up whatever they fucking want so anyway that's just kind of a random thing but this coroner is really trying his best (laughs) he is trying his best and he accidentally checks off the box that it's undetermined yeah her death is undetermined but he like corrects it to say accidental and he's like they take that as like this big cover-up yes he's like no it's not a cover-up like it's made a mistake like it happens we all make mistakes yeah, I'm and sorry so they, that my mistake is on a coroner's report yes. and not like your chicken McNuggets like, <laughs> <laughs> on your fucking McDonald's order. <laughs> different but mistakes like, have different consequences. Yes. But yeah, so they latch onto it and they're like, oh, they took such a long time to release it and they didn't release the whole thing and like blah, 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 blah. And like the, my whole thing was like, since when does like law enforcement owe us fucking anything like as the public like nothing like they don't have to and like the cops pointed out at the end like they're like you do realize like we withhold information for a reason because in a murder investigation like we don't we don't want to we don't want to play all of the cards that we have in front of us like we need to be able to keep certain details to ourselves yeah like how many serial killer shows have you watched where like 
they figure out who it is because they know crime scene information that hasn't been exactly. released to the public. Like, like that's really how they nab the guy. The freaking shoe the print in Night Stalker. Freaking right. Diane Fox. It's <laughs> freaking released the shoe print. Like, hey, everybody, he's wearing this exact shoe. We and found so it in every Ramirez crime scene. Like, okay, I'm going to go get some Chuck Taylor. Got to go get now. a different like, shoe. Like, Jesus. Air Jordans. Exactly. So, anyway, so that's a whole thing. But we, oh, we got to go back to Morbid, though. We kind of right. skipped over yeah. Yeah, we abandoned Morbid. We abandoned Morbid. So Morbid, morbid is <laughs> terrifying. Morbid scared horrifying. me so much when he first pops up. Like, they just kind of show some of his footage, and he's a death metal artist. Yeah. Paints his face. I want to say he scary. looks like Marilyn Manson, but Marilyn Manson's really on thin ice right now in terms mm-hmm. of, like, he's yes. being canceled as we speak. Yes. Um, Before we speak, he has been canceled. Yes. Um. But he has that look. We'll say I'll say it's, that. Yes, with like long, greasy. You can picture yes. the guy wearing his big jeans, black <laughs> pants. Um, yeah, but he, he sings scary songs about death, and he has some lyrics that like mildly resemble the way that Elisa Lamb died. Like they draw these conclusions, mm-hmm. and but- like. It's confirmation bias. Like they're yes. seeing what they want to see. They yes. being the web sleuths. Yes, they like, are the interpreting police it. Never. No. I think the police, like, talk to him. He says it. The Mexican FBI, whatever they were, the PG something. <laughs> I don't want to say the PGA because that's... That's uh, golf. Golf. <laughs> but they go, like, question him. And he's like, here's my passport. I was in Mexico. Like, I yes. stayed at the hotel a year before she went missing. It's very like, easily corroborated. I was in the studio. That he was not anywhere near Los Angeles or the Cecil Hotel when she went right. missing. But, but these web sleuths they ruined his life. the fuck onto it and like are like a dog with a bone and will not let it go. And they start posting all over his social media, his YouTube page, everything being like, you killed Elisa Lamb. Like, fuck you're a murderer. murderer. Like, fuck you. Like, how do come- you sleep at night? Yeah, like all of his stuff. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, what an yeah. insane jump to make but they all are like no we believe like absolutely like right. it we believed it and it's, it's like that like mob mentality they what? wanted an, an answer and this answer made sense to them yes and so this poor but guy true like yeah and so this poor guy yeah like his life is totally ruined like he his youtube channel gets canceled like all yeah, of this stuff like, happens all the social media he gets donald trump yes and yes donald trump but but it's very clear like he did he didn't have anything to do it like whatever yeah. his one his one bad choice is that he uploads this video because he decides that he's gonna like speak out to the haters and like clear his name <laughs> yeah and how he chooses to do that is to put on a scary fucking mask and yeah, stand he doesn't in a, just have his painted face no it's a one of those scary scary mask. It almost looks like a, the hoodies that zip up over your face, but it was a mask. I don't it was, know. It's, you know it's terrifying. About? And he stands there, and then he, like, changes his voice with a weird, yeah. scary cha- voice like, changer thing. Oh, I am innocent. Yeah, and he's like, oh. and it's like, that's not really helping, I dude. I not kill Elisa Yeah, Lamb. it was very... That was a really good Bane voice. <laughs> it was! So... Um. so- <laughs> So it's very weird. But anyway, so he's kind of another kind of like subplot to this. Of yeah, just total like, red herring they throw yeah, in there. Exactly. But so anyway, so really what it all comes down to, once the cops have all of the pieces of the puzzle, they have her talk screen, they talk to her family, 
what it really becomes clear is that she was bipolar, right? She's di- yes. diagnosed bipolar. She was bipolar one, which is the more extreme. Yes. Kind. She was taking medication for it, but had a history of stopping taking her medi- mm-hmm. medication and it would cause, you know, all of these different behavioral changes in her when she would do right. that. And so that's her manic what- e- her sister says her manic episodes she has like paranoia and hallucinations yes. and she will like wander around and yes. is really erratic. And so which suddenly is exactly what happens. Exactly. And so what suddenly becomes clear, it's like suddenly it snaps the elevator photo or elevator mm-hmm. video totally into focus because everything right. that she's doing in the video is exactly what her family describes as like that's what she does when she's not on her medication. Right. Um and they find her medication i think when they because yeah, they have her belongings find, and stuff yeah they find there's more pills in there should than have there been, should be yes had she been taking them consistently right and the coroner mentions like for how long she was in the water her talk screen couldn't it could have been inaccurate mm-hmm. but it was showing really low levels of these medications that she was supposed to be on right that had she been taking them they would have been higher and, and right. more built up in her system and so then um, what also then now comes into play is what happened between her and her like bunk mates in the first room that she was in and so the hotel manager says like we i've never released this publicly like we told this to the cops at the time but like this wasn't part of public knowledge was that like she was leaving like weird threatening notes like on her Mm -hmm. bunkmates beds and like she was acting really erratic and she was talking to people who weren't there and so that's why the bunkmates are like can she go somewhere else because she's freaking (laughs) us out like what is happening and so then it becomes a question well we'll get to that in a second so anyway so basically the cops determine with a pretty reasonable sense, like, degree of, like, certainty, I think, that she was not on her medication. She was obviously seeing things as evidenced from the video. She was mm-hmm. hallucinating. She was paranoid, whatever. The scent from the dogs tracked her to the window, which there is the fire escape outside the window. So more likely than not, that's how she got up to the roof. Like, she climbed up on her own. And for whatever reason... You know, whatever she was seeing or thinking or whatever, she decided to get into this tank. She didn't close the lid behind her. It was open right. and remained she open. Couldn't, as because the she web t- said over and over again. Yes. And so what's interesting, too, that they point that the coroner and that like the crime scene people point out about the water tanks is they're like, listen, the water tanks, the level of the water like rises and lowers depending on how much water is being used in the Mm -hmm. hotel. So they're like, when she jumped in, it might have been at a certain level, but as it got used like her body would have lowered and then risen Mm -hmm. up again so that also explains why she was you know even though most people who drown are found floating face down she was Mm -hmm. found floating face up but they're like the water pressure in the tank like could have easily turned her body around yeah they were saying like it depending on how cold that water was could explain why she didn't have her clothes on anymore they were like either she took them off as part of whatever like hallucination she was having or people who are she could have taken them off because she felt like they were making her sink if she realized that she couldn't you know stay afloat she could have taken Mm -hmm. them off to try and make her body lighter or as part of hypothermia she might have taken them off because that's what happens when you have hypothermia your body gets all fucked warming up and, and so, so you, you take it off. Yes. But you're actually about to be dead. So there's that's all when it, it's of these, too far. You're too yes, far gone. You're the last. That's like the last stage of hypothermia. Yeah. So 
so anyway, so there's all of these like very perfectly reasonable explanations for what happened in the end. Mm-hmm. And it's not malicious. There's no crazy conspiracy. There's no third party. It's just no an accident. Ups. It's a terrible accident. It's not a it's- tuberculosis conspiracy. Oh my God. We didn't even talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the weird things when they're trying to figure out when the web sleuths are coming up with any and all possible explanations for her death because they're convinced that it was a murder one of the weird fucking things is that she was a spy for she was like a plant they thought she so the college that she studied at in british columbia has a tuberculosis center that studies tb yeah and they thought, the Websleuths thought she was, like, coming to the United States to cause an outbreak. Because right. after she dies, there ends up total coincidence Yes, that it happens that the homeless population in Skid Row does have a tuberculosis outbreak. Right. Um, so they thought that she was, like, targeted, that the government found out and had her murdered and put her down. Yeah. yeah. And then <laughs> the one of the most ridiculous moments is when old guy YouTube web sleuth oh is like, <laughs> he's like, I was reading about tuberculosis. And then you know the name of the test you get when you are finding out if you have TB? It's called the Lamb Eliza test, but it's spelled like Elisa. <laughs> Which and is, they're like, bah, it's bah, a coincidence. Bah. It is, but it's it like is weird. <laughs> it is weird, but it's like coincidences do fucking happen. Like they, it's right. like, what did he say? He was like, "There's a term. If was it synchronicities or something? Yes, like it, when there's it's so many coincidences that it like it's a synchronicity. Like it right. has it to be. has to be right. And like, it's like it's, yes, but there's also that this, like saying in the world that's like when when you've exhausted all of the other options, like it's always the most obvious. Like when you're trying to solve a problem, yeah, like, Occam's razor. Yes, it's like that. It's like this that this is a classic example of this, which is like the cops, you know, the simplest were, answer is the, the right simplest answer. answer is the right answer. And this and the cops did their jobs. They investigated everything and they came to the conclusion that they did, which was that it was an accident because it's the only explanation that actually makes sense. And so what ends up happening is like eventually you know there are details that more details that become made public because her family does sue the hotel for wrongful Mm -hmm. death and for like negligence i think um because basically the the family um their their allegations are that like when she began began acting erratically like the hotel should have done something in that moment to alert somebody that she was having issues and And also that she shouldn't have been able to access those water she shouldn't have been able to get up to the the latch off and so which which is fair it is anybody could get in that shit oh well the yeah the tank thing for sure like the tanks should have been locked there's no reason why it should (laughs) they shouldn't be but they one of the things is they're like oh well she shouldn't have been able to get up onto the fire escape and like the hotel manager is like you have to be able to get to the fire escape. It's a fire escape. Like that's why it's there. Like it's not there for decoration. It's there so that if you cannot get down any other way, you can get out the window and down the fire escape. But so, yeah, so there, so in the process of this civil 
thing back and forth between the hotel and the family a lot of the other details come out and of mm-hmm. course the fucking web sleuths like youtuber 45 year old man goes to the yeah, hearing he's straight up there because he's like i'm gonna get the answers like that i can't get otherwise and so he fucking goes to this hearing and once again it's like this is none of your fucking business like why yeah, are you at no. this like whatever well that's when he they it finally becomes clear to him like the explanation with the with the tank lid and he he's like yeah so like it makes sense and like he's like <laughs> yeah, he just like just ha- all he's give like, up at the end so he's like i get it now and it's like oh my god you psychopath and so that's like i think one of the most maybe interesting parts to me about the last episode is that once all the real details come out they kind of they kind of like revisit each of the web sleuths to kind of be Mm -hmm. like, well, what did you think then once you like found out that there were all these explanations? Like, and they all sit there and they're like, oh, well, yeah, like it makes sense. And like, they all basically have to admit that they were fucking psychopaths about it and spent who knows how long. And they're all just kind of like, well, yeah, like that makes sense. And then they have this whole thing where they all are like, well, you know, I really had to come to terms with everything and like I had to put Elisa to rest in my mind and whatever. And so that's where fucking dental hygienist Creepo comes into play because he says his weirdest thing. He his weirdest thing. He says, you know, like I I really felt like I got to know her and like blah 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 and I care so much about her and he's always like I felt like for my own closure I needed to visit her grave but for whatever reason he can't She's buried in Canada. He can't go there himself. Yeah. So he makes some other person. He had some friend in Canada BC. To her grave, film it, and film them touching her headstone so that he could. It's so weird. So that he could feel like he was, you know, getting his closure that he needed. And that right there, like, makes me want to scream. At that point, Stephen and I were both screaming at the television because we were just like, this guy fucking sucks. Because it's just like. It is not about you, sir. Like, you don't know this girl. She died in an absolutely horrific, avoidable way. Yeah. But it is not about you. You didn't know her. Like, it's so weird. It's so weird. They also, they really go on and on about how she was going to be, like, this great writer and she was going to, like, really change the world. And, like, anyone can be anything, but I don't know. (laughs) But, again, it's, like, it's part of this weird, like mythology of who she was that they all built up in their heads and it's like i'm not saying that she wasn't a wonderful person absolutely i'm sure she was i'm sure like she clearly was loved by her family had friends i'm sure who loved her like it's an absolute 100 percent tragedy what happened to her but for these people who don't know her to kind of like co-op like just like take over her personality and make her into something for their own weird feeling of self-importance it's so bizarre because it's like it is it is it's something's wrong with them yes and so i think so strange that's what's interesting so it's like obviously like in talking about all of these different themes of this documentary i think to me that was maybe the most compelling thing about the documentary other than the case itself because it is interesting but i think like the to me it was an interesting kind of um kind of examination or commentary on this on the internet almost and Mm -hmm. like the ways in which people can 
come to feel like something belongs to them through the internet. And it's like, there's kind of a double edged sword to that, which it's like, of course, like the internet gives us a lot of amazing, wonderful things. And we're able to connect with people from all over the world. And it's great. But at the same time, you have that kind of other side of the coin, which is like this, this belief that people have that they have a right to be involved in something that they have nothing to do with. Right. It's, it makes me think. So a lot of, other things that we've experienced like um i'll be gone in the dark yes or like um jensen and holes their whole podcast podcast is based off of this notion of web sleuths yes being like universally good and sort Mm -hmm. of like defaulting to good but i think what this docuseries showed us is it's not always the case and like and it can get it to can a take degree, on a life of its own and get out of control yeah like you if you're a web sleuth you still have to remember you don't have everything that the police have mm-hmm. like you don't know these people and i think probably generally most are like that like yeah. the elisa lamb case is just part like a particular set of situations mm-hmm. that just created this experience for these yeah. web sleuths but it was just yeah interesting no, i'm glad you brought that up because i i was thinking that like during the last episode i was thinking about i'll be gone in the dark and it's like you know michelle mcnamara was a journalist and a private citizen who became really interested in the golden state killer case and kind of you know she was writing a book about it but like i think what's different about the way that she went about her investigation or the people that she was working with who were web sleuths or, you know, uh, Paul Jensen or whatever his name is that, you know, who's on Jensen and holes. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Michelle McNamara went about her investigation right alongside the police. Like Mm -hmm. she, anytime she found anything, like she went to actual people who were working the case and said, Hey, like, this is what, this is an Avenue that I've been investigating. Like, I think it's promising. Check it out. She never like, she never made it about her. She never like assumed that she had all of the answers Mm -hmm. and she always went into it with like this idea of like being part of a larger, maybe effort alongside the cops. Whereas like these web sleuths immediately decide that because they're not getting the answers that they think that they deserve, that the detectives and the actual cops who are working it are somehow in on it. And so mm-hmm. they they immediately like villainize law enforcement, and so it, it again it plays into their own psychosis of like we're the we're the white hats that are going to ride into town and say and like save the day and find justice for Elisa Lamb because the cops aren't going to do it; they're in on it. And it's like it's not to say that police corruption doesn't exist; it absolutely fucking does. Hello, I've watched Confessions Killer. I know what <laughs> I know the possibilities. But there was no evidence of that in this case. Right. No real evidence. Another thing, like, I'll add is Michelle McNamara comes from it, comes at it from a journalist perspective. And right. she's doing it for truth and for, like, truth telling and storytelling and to catch the guy. Right. And not that I don't think the web sleuths for Elisa Lamb also wanted the truth, but they're coming at it as YouTube people or... Mm-hmm influencers like they're trying to keep up this interesting story that's going to continue as a series for them right like the that that one lady with like the red hair and the glasses like yes she keeps popping into my head because like 
she made she's a whole there, she thing about it. She has a nice it. camera. She has yep. a nice microphone. Like she has a nice setup, and she's getting these views from this thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, journalism and YouTube are the same in that, like, you want the most eyes on your thing. But I think there's a lot more. Um, there, there's maybe peer a peer review. Of, yeah, exactly. in journalism, um, and the the career like. Another person in I'll Be Gone in the Dark is that older woman that she works with, mm-hmm. but she's a social worker. Right. So she gets it from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that redheaded guy did. I don't remember what his name is. Yeah. But like, well, I don't know. I exactly. feel like there's different degrees of worthiness of being a web sleuth. Well, and I think like to your point, the whole... The whole appeal of the web sleuth thing is that, you know, law enforcement has a lot that they're doing and they can't always devote 100% of their time or their resources to one case. So, like, that was the whole thing in All Be Gone in the Dark is that by the time Michelle McNamara is investigating, Golden State Killer is a cold case. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's done. Like, he's not active anymore, but there's all of these victims that don't have answers. And so that's what's appealing about it. You know, Elisa Lamb, it's a different thing because she's missing and then, you know, you know, for two weeks. So there's this this very initial kind of like kind of, you know, we're under the clock like we need to find her kind of thing. And then once it becomes clear that she's, you know, dead, then it's a whole then it it takes on a totally different kind of tone. But, you know. Like you said, like web sleuths, like there's there's maybe value to that. People coming from different perspectives, bringing different skill sets or different pers- you know ways of looking at things. But the Elisa Lamb case like snowballed out of control because I feel like whatever possibly good intentions these web sleuths brought to it initially of being like this girl's missing, like I want to help find her. I think like once the creepy factor came into it and it kind of went viral. I think, like, maybe their good intentions got twisted into, like you said, like, oh, I'm going to get hits off of this on my YouTube yeah. page. Or, like, oh, like, I need this to be, I, I've become so obsessed with this that, like, I can't, it can't just be an accident because that's, mm-hmm. like, that doesn't justify me being that obsessed with it. Like, it has to be more than that. And it just, it just becomes, like, this whole other thing. And it it's, like, I feel like, dental hygienist guy is like maybe the best example of that of just like he might have had good intentions in the beginning but he became so obsessed with it that it yeah turned into yeah. something kind of gross like i don't know like they really <laughs> remind me of oh and i don't remember what his name is but there's a guy who is the guy that's like the head of flat earth like it really <laughs> reminds me of flat earthers because their whole thing is like all these sensational conspiracy theories that they talk about on YouTube. Like, yeah. Um, like they cannot be convinced otherwise. And mm-hmm. that's where this is different. They were convinced otherwise in the web sleuth case, but yeah, like that's sort of their thing is to be conspiracy theory YouTube. Um, mm-hmm. so I feel like this is just like a little version of that. And that is what like, I liked the series, the docu-series as a whole. Yeah. But I was like gonna say, I, I was like, let's you. talk about this documentary for what it is <laughs> and right. what we think. Like, <laughs> you could have just watched the last episode. Like, the yes. storytelling is so roundabout. Mm-hmm. And, like, 
it makes you feel like the whole point was to be as sensational as possible and to have as many of those your jaws on the floor moments. Yes. Rather than telling a story from A to B. It was just A to D to Z (laughs) to W back to B back to A and then we're done. Yes. Just like all over the place and throwing in a lot of different things like they do return to this homelessness thing and telling these stories about this neighborhood like Mm -hmm. about how police just drop people off there and there's like a lot of barriers to actually helping people that live there and a lot of barriers for those people to get out of there so it creates this like environment of crime Mm -hmm. and like like they've talked about that a lot like not a lot a lot but it really kind of has nothing to do with the case right but it's this it's like it's this other story they wanted to tell yeah and it's just like it's kind of it's all over the place but it's not and it's frustrating because they leave out details like like they don't mention again that the hatch was open mm-hmm. until the last episode mm-hmm. and they don't really mention it in the first one you just hear the maintenance that the maintenance worker goes up there and finds her mm-hmm. and then the next three episodes it's like Okay, the hatch hatch. was closed. The police (laughs) found the hatch closed. And the whole time you're just like, well, the guy closed it. Like, come on. We all know this. Yeah. Like, it was just really frustrating to watch it for that reason. So here, I agree with you. And so, like, one of the things that Kelly texted me when she watched it, because you watched it before I did, Mm -hmm. you said, like, you were like, oh, my God, like, I could have just watched the last episode. Like, it would it would have summed everything up perfectly. And then, of course, when I watched it, like, as soon as we turned the first the the last episode on, I was like, oh, yeah, I definitely see what she means. Like, absolutely. And I agree with you. Like, there's a there's a frustration with that because you're just kind of like, yeah, like, why was this storytelling so roundabout? But what I will say, like, I agree with you of just kind of the overall feeling of just like, what are we doing? But I think I've been thinking about it and I think maybe what they were trying to do, and I don't know that they're fully successful. I think maybe what they were trying to do was almost unfold the story of the case the from the almost like the perspective of the web sleuths and so you're learning you're learning information kind of in the order and in the way that they were getting information and so you they unfold the story kind of like like that in a way because it's like if you go like the third episode in particular like hits me as kind of the conspiracy episode like that's the episode where they really get into like all the different conspiracy theories that these web sleuths came up with and then of course like the last episode is almost kind of like all right now let's talk about all the pieces of the puzzle that you were missing as a web sleuth that you didn't understand and now let's see that it all comes together and makes sense so I and I can see why they were trying to do that but again I don't know that they're necessarily successful because I think it does just end up coming off as like why did I fucking watch this first these first three episodes like you could have just told me and they paint they paint a lot of people out to be so much worse than they are like you hate the hotel manager for the Mm -hmm. first three episodes and by the fourth it's like okay like you're still a little skeezy because you're like an LA corporate person but see also like I think you were doing the best you could I didn't get the like oh you're skeezy because you're an LA corporate person I more so what I was frustrated with her and why I didn't you know she's not like a particularly likable like character in this 
is I just felt like she was very just kind of like, yeah, that's how it was. Like, it's just, like she just mm-hmm. kind of was like very much just kind of like, yeah, like I worked in this shitty place and like that's what happened and like I couldn't do anything about it. And it's like, again, by the end of the the end of the whole thing, you see why she's like that. You see why she has those the feelings about it and, you know, the perspective that she's coming from. But it's it's so just kind of like. Like, oh, like, I don't know. Like, it's it's so just kind of like, come on, like, come on. Like, you could. It's, and yeah. I like her her whole thing of like, oh, I was brought in to give this, you know, the Cecil Hotel a facelift. And like, we thought we were going to do all these great things. And it's like, seriously, like you thought that the Cecil Hotel under these new under this new stay on main yeah. thing was going to become like a destination. Like, are you that stupid? Like, yeah. Why? Like, She's it wasn't brought in as a gentrifier, problems. and yeah. she acts like one. Like, exactly. She was putting a nice glittery Band-Aid yep. on a festering wound. And she tru- And you can tell from the way she talks about it that she truly believes that, like, that was a good plan and that it was going yeah. to fix all of their problems. Did you notice at the end she talks about the hotel, like, as a woman, like... She's got a lot of life left in her. Yeah. Well, and like she is very just kind of like, oh, I'm just so sad because it's closed. And it's like, who, like, that place like, knock the needs fucker to be down. Ripped like, down. <laughs> like, we're, like, it's done. Like, Let's it's not like, going to get ra- any better. Let, knock all of downtown LA oh, down and start we, again. <laughs> we also didn't talk about what happens when the, when they find her body and the fucking British couple finally realizes why their water tasted oh. bad. <laughs> <laughs> they, like, all of a sudden, like, come out of their room or whatever and find, like, you know, it's surrounded by police. Like, the, you know, the police are all over the place. There's journalists there. Like, the news is there. All this stuff. And, like, they ask the hotel, like, manager, like, the staff, like, what is going on? Like, whatever. And they're like, oh, nothing. Like, it's not a big deal. Don't worry <laughs> about it. And so they end up going up to one of the, like, news anchors and are like, what's going on? Like, why are you guys here? And they're like, they found a body in the water tank. Didn't you hear? (laughs) And that's when they're like, oh, we were drinking that. And they're like, (laughs) we had body water. Oh my God. It's like drinking someone's dirty bath water, but worse. (laughs) Oh God. It's so (laughs) gross. And like, I, I guess that's a testament to the state of that hotel and how much the employees must like, just be so absolutely callous to all but of I that. But I think I think that like, maybe to me is the moment necessity. where you kind of want to slap necessity. the hotel. Necessity. <laughs> you want to kind of slap the hotel manager in the face because you're just like, lady, like there's dirty water coming out of you the taps. Shut it down. You didn't do any. You didn't do anything about it for days, and you're sitting here telling right. me How that you are that running like a nice hotel. Like fuck you. Like no, you're not. Like, <sighs> and so I just like she was. I just felt like she was a little delusional about what it was that she was doing, and it's just like yeah. come on. And then at the end of it, she just like is lamenting the fact that like the hotel is closed, and it's like lady like let it go like you're like this is not like stop but I do want to also say like I do think your point about the whole kind of like secondary or tertiary or however many you want to go down like Mm. theme of like LA and the neighborhood and like homelessness and like all this stuff like I agree with you I think they were trying to do too much and I think that is the theme that gets 
lost in the shuffle and then you're right at the end they try to kind of like bring it back in as they wrap it up and it's like yeah no like you didn't they give have, that enough like that's a different documentary <laughs> like yeah. if you want to talk about they have, LA like, <laughs> this historian who's a skid row historian and he talks for maybe a total of three minutes in the whole right. documentary right but it's like, it feels like what they're trying to like they're trying to really paint this full picture of what this place was like which could be the reason she was potentially murdered rather than it being this like really tragic sad accident yeah but they it i don't know it just doesn't quite do it exactly right like exactly well enough well and then i think they're and it's also frustrating. towards the end if i'm remembering correctly they also try to kind of make that interesting juxtaposition between the fact that like okay you have elisa lamb who is a you know middle class college educated young woman from canada whatever um she ends up kind of in the same place as a lot of the other people who live in the Cecil Hotel mm-hmm. or live on Skid Row and who have the same kinds of mental health issues that she had, but don't have access to the medical care that she had. And right. and like in the end, they kind of like ha- they end they have they end up in the same place and they almost have the same fate. And so I try to I feel like they try to mm-hmm. make this kind mm-hmm. of like poetic connection and kind of like interesting thing of like the tragedy of mental health and like you know not being able to get help and it's like again i get it i understand where you're going but like you got too many threads that you're trying to pull yeah. out at the end and you're losing they should me. have spent <laughs> i think well, what frustrates me they spend so much time on these web sleuths with these mm-hmm. crazy conspiracy theories that mean nothing have mm-hmm. no consequence at all except for like making these handful of people totally delusional for a little bit yeah and then they just throw in these things that have huge consequences, like yeah. could make for a much more powerful story, much more powerful documentary that leads to a, I'm sure they wanted to lead to some sort of change with this. Mm-hmm. If they had spent a little less time on the tuberculosis storyline, <sighs> yeah, they would have made room to tell these other stories that they clearly wanted to. Well, and I do 100% agree with you, and I honestly didn't even think about it until you pointed it out, that the missing piece is her family and i'm sure that they didn't want to participate and that's totally fine and i totally 100 percent get that but i do agree with you like even like having her sister or having you know even like someone who was like legitimately her friend like someone who could have yeah who could have kind of served as a resource of like to truly fill in that information of like Mm -hmm. who was she actually from someone who actually knew her and spent time with her because that element of it is missing and so at the end she can she still is this kind of enigma that you know is pieced together from her tumbler because we never get mm-hmm. the perspective of someone who actually knew her. Right. And I do think that the, the documentary suffers for that. And I almost think like maybe that's why, her, I don't know, like her family didn't want to participate because like it, it continues to almost like play off of the sensationalized version of who she was from the fucking viral video. Right. Like, you know what I like, mean? I didn't know that this case resolved at all. Right. Like, I saw the video. I saw she was found in a water tank. That's it. Right. Like, I don't live in Los Angeles, so that news isn't part of my daily life. But, like, yeah. I never knew 
that they figured it out that they figured it out i mean i didn't think about it at all like right. I, it's not something i remembered until i was like in the second episode and i was like oh wait i do remember this happening me too yeah i was like i was texting you i was like did she overdose? Did she do that? I was like, oh, they found her in the water tank. I knew that. That's where right. it was. I was like, I read that article. She, they found her in the water tank. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's just, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think so, maybe in like 10 more years, we'll get a documentary that has family members. Like, I just think it is just too soon. Mm-hmm. It is. It's very recent. For family like um, watching other shows, you know, it like takes people a long time to be comfortable talking about something like that. Right. I also get the impression like they say at the beginning that her parents immigrated to Canada from China. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to guess that there's some some sort of language barrier. I don't want to yeah, assume maybe. that her parents aren't fluent in English, but yeah, like. There's there's probably some reason they didn't speak to the press mm-hmm. because we watch Criminal Minds. We know one of the first things they want to do is make those parents speak to the press. Yeah. So they bring them out. They parade them out. Yeah, it's very and weird so that how they're they seen. them out in the back. It's very yeah, bizarre. Yeah, and the, the police officer right off the bat's like, they're here. They're not going to speak. Don't mm-hmm. even ask them questions. Yep. And it's like, okay. It's very <laughs> like, What are we doing here? Yeah. Um. So I'm guessing there's some sort of reason that they don't want to talk to the public yeah because of that situation yeah it's Um, very it's very odd all right time will tell so if we're gonna give our five whiteboards i don't know what we're using still (laughs) i don't know we'll just go with five pairs of stars are easy stars are easiest stars are easiest one star or no stars obviously being bad Five stars being really good. Where would you where would you throw crime scene, the vanishing at the mm. Cecil Hotel? Because it's the first thing we've ever done on this scale. Mm-hmm. And I have nothing else. Like, I have no precedent for anything here. <laughs> I'm going to give it like a sad three. A sad three. <laughs> Okay. Like a 2.9. A 2.9 stars. Okay. 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 A three minus. Um, it kept, like, I watched it in one sitting. I watched it all. I mm-hmm. was interested. I was invested. This is a story that, like I said, I knew kind of, mm-hmm. but didn't remember how it played out. Yeah. Like, I liked the web sleuth aspect until it hit that extreme until ridiculousness. Until it got out of control. Yeah. And then until the whole thing was flipped on its head when they were like, no, actually, it was just this thing. Oh, that's another thing that's frustrating is it's, like, unlike other docuseries that we've watched and discussed, like, never did the police think that these conspiracy theories were true. Like, no. the whole time the police are no. just, like, nose to the ground, just They're doing like, their work. Yeah, They're like, like, this is what was happening. Here's what the facts said. And here's yeah. what the story was. Mm-hmm. So that's what another thing that makes it frustrating. Um, yeah. The web sleuths, they're pretty much single-handedly bringing that down. But yeah. I watched it. I thought it was entertaining. Um, sad. It was yeah. one of those things that just ends up being really, really sad. Yeah. And just a really tragic situation. And like a tragic storm of things. So. Yeah. 2.9 yeah. okay 2. i 9. i mean i 100 percent agree i was gonna be generous and give it three and a half stars oh, wow 
Um, you did have that more positive, like more optimistic <laughs> view of the storytelling than I, I did. I do. I don't. The storytelling, I like I said, I agree with you in kind of the end result. I I'm a little more forgiving towards it. I will I will forgive what I what I agree with you is just kind of like what ends up being kind of a lackluster way of doing it because I I I'm choosing to kind of look at it from the perspective of what I think they were trying to do. But overall, like, I mean, I think it's like the production level is really good. I mean, I felt mm-hmm. like I yeah. I appreciated, you know, there weren't any, there weren't too many kind of like annoying like re- reenactments or any yeah, of that no, shit. really. But like, I appreciated them kind of bringing her voice into it with the Tumblr thing. I think mm-hmm. I agree with you. I would have preferred for them to kind of grapple with the tumbler of it all a little bit more i would have preferred for them to kind of really do a little bit more of a deep dive into like yeah like yes it's a tumbler but like really truly what is the how much of an extension of her really is this tumbler like i think mm-hmm. they just kind of like they looked at the tumbler at face value and i would have preferred for them to kind of like grapple with that a little bit more and then yes like the web sleuths it becomes about them it's not even about elisa really at the end Mm -hmm. of the day and Mm -hmm. i think that is the documentary's downfall which is that and who knows maybe that's what they set out to do like i don't know but like at the at the end of the day it's really not about her and it's really not even about like what happened to her it's about you know it's about the power of the internet and how things can get out of control. It's about homelessness and gentrification in downtown Los Angeles. It's about the fucked up place that is the Cecil Hotel. And then mm-hmm. you got Elisa Lamb thrown right into the middle of it. And I just mm-hmm. think like when you compare it to some other documentaries that we've watched recently that I think are done a lot better, like The Ripper, I think at this point is probably one that I would probably hold as like the standard of yeah. one of like the best I true crime that documentaries that I've seen recently. I would say I'll be gone in the dark is also very high, mm-hmm. but I think like, you know, to me and you and I have talked about this. What makes the Ripper so good is just the true focus on the victims and the attempt to just tell the story and do them justice. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what this one lacks a little bit is in the end of the day she if this story is really about elisa like she gets lost in the sensationalism of the story as a whole and they don't really do anything to combat that i think they play into it if anything Mm -hmm. with the way that they Mm -hmm. tell the story and i i'm gonna count them down for that so that's how i end up at three and a half but right so yeah so watch it don't watch it do your thing i don't know now you don't have you to, need to you, watch you've now? listened to us talk about it if you don't want to um but yeah so there you go that's our first true crime review um of some other documentaries that we've been watching um i think we'll come back and do a night stalker one we'll talk yeah. about night stalker i might have to refresh myself on night yeah, stalker though. it's been a minute <laughs> me too <laughs> um but yeah so i think our idea was to release this potentially on a Patreon if yeah. we're going to do... I think we're going to do that. So you might be listening to this right now on Patreon. I don't... I'll be honest. I don't know how Patreon We'll figure works. out... I mean, by the time you're listening to this, we've figured it out. So. Yeah, we have figured it out. But Congratulations and welcome to the club. <laughs> welcome to the club. <laughs> uh, thank you for... Uh, 
listening to us. Obviously, normally we talk about criminal minds, but we appreciate you guys coming and listen to us talk about other yeah. stuff. Um, it felt like we should probably stop making two hour episodes of the unknown subject where we right. watch criminal minds for an hour and, and then talk, talk about, about something sh- else for shit. an hour. <laughs> Uh, as this hour as this episode cracks the one and a half half. mark (laughs) um so yeah so this is just a fun little thing we thought we'd try um hopefully if it's something that people want to listen to we'll keep going but i had fun did you let us know (laughs) yeah 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 also i was watching a soccer game while we were doing this and the united states beat brazil yay i was gonna say it was like this entire time i've been staring at the facetime with kelly and probably 80 percent of it she's just looking somewhere off screen and i was like she is my watching eyes just soccer. naturally when we're podcasting my eyes just naturally go toward the tv because that's how we podcast nine True. out of ten times and I'm not, like, the soccer game's been over for, like, an hour at this point. <laughs> like, I have not, like, there's not, we're, there's a, a basketball game, like, a college basketball game on that's no college teams I care about. And I swear I'm listening and paying attention. There was a the couple. Images are just flashing by my eyes. There was definitely a couple moments where I was like, I don't know if she's listening to me anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> also, I'll, I'll reveal that. Uh, maybe 30 minutes ago, Cassie spilled water all over our ottoman. Oh, no. <laughs> so, there was maybe 30 seconds where I was not listening because I was like, oh, I got to like pick the paper and the electronics oh, off the ottoman because our ottoman is fabric and yeah, Sadie's as they are, me. I guess. Sadie's looking at me right now like, are we going to like leave this room at some point? What are we doing? Yeah, so. I'm starting to get hungry. So. Yeah, it's almost dinner time. Well, thank you guys for joining us for the first go at a True Crime the Review Corner. The inaugural episode. Um, hopefully we'll be back for more of these. Um, yeah. I'm not going to sign this off the way I normally sign off the episodes because we're not talking about Criminal Minds right now. Yeah. No. Um, so I'm just going to say uh, thanks, guys, for listening. Um, we'll see you next time. Keep watching. Keep watching. Keep solving. <laughs> I don't know. Creep. Keep true criming. <laughs> Whenever click you... on my dudes. <laughs> Meaning, click on your. Keep clicking on on your television and watching TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>